0: Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today Podcast. I am your host, Mike Capatria, riding solo for this wonderful Saturday, April 23rd, playoff slate that we have. We have four games to speak about, four games to dive into, dissect, and find the plays that are going to win us some money. Before we jump into anything, quick shout out to our presenting sponsor over at Thrive Fantasy Guys. Come prop up with us over there this NBA season. Thrive is the number one fantasy in daily fantasy sports for player props. With Thrive, you limit the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. You choose 10 of 20 available player props, build your lineup, each prop's assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most points, rack up the most props, and... Did I say that right? No. <laughs> hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of a prize pool. Now, when you head over there, sign up, use the promo code ethos, that is E-T-H-O-S, and you receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. You can download Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. We have four games to talk about, so this has been one of the larger slates uh, of the first round so far that we have seen, which just means we have a little bit more options, but you might see a theme, because a a lot of the plays aren't really changing for me. And that's kind of the way I play DFS during the playoffs. You know, I, I have my 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 patterns, my structure, uh, and just because we haven't seen a player hit on those patterns or structures doesn't mean I'm necessarily wavering from the way I'm attacking the slate. Just because there's usually some factors or there's some reasons why I like them, and then there's reasons why they may have not hit that value that we we're expecting or I am expecting. So you'll hear me touch on points of that. You'll hear me touch on a lot of the similar players. And then you're going to also hear me hit on some, I guess, lineup construction and why I'm gearing towards some players. So for the first game of the night, we're going to travel to Toronto where we have Philly taking on the Raptors. For the injury report, Scotty Barnes is doubtful. Joel Embiid is available, sprained his right thumb. Matisse Thybul, as we know, he is ruled out. He's ineligible to play in Toronto. And then for a game total, we're looking at 213.5, with the Sixers being favored by 3.5 points. So I'll start off here with Philly. And it's going to continue just to be the two top dogs for me. Joel Embiid coming in at 10-6. He's a guy that I haven't really played at all uh, during this first round. And simply because there's been other options I like, other options we can look at, go to, whatever it may be. Nonetheless, I like him today. Uh, He is an option of mine. He is somebody that I'm going to have some shares of, nonetheless, because we don't have a lot of good center options. I mean, I've been looking at Al Horford, who we'll get to. He's been a guy I've been playing. Uh, But with the possible return of Robert Williams, even in a limited fashion, that may impact his center minutes that he sees, which therefore impacts his rebounding total. So we'll we'll get to that. Uh, I haven't been playing any Rudy Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns. So with that being said, there's there's just a need uh, or playing him by necessity. You know, we always know he's going to have that upside of 60 plus DK points. He's always going to give us a floor of around 45 DK points just because he is one of those MVP candidates. So I think he's a great play. Uh, I'm going to have some shares of him. He's probably going to be one of my top spend ups. And like I said, it comes basically out of necessity. Now, if you wanted to go to James Harden for $1,500 less, wouldn't fault you one bit. Uh, Everything I just said about Joel Embiid can be said about James Harden. The floor may be a little bit lower. Um, That is only gonna be on those games where he takes less than 10 shot attempts He's still gonna find himself at the free throw line plenty of times. He's still gonna have high assist totals Uh, In fact over the past six games, he's only had one game with less than uh, 10 assists So I don't mind continuing to target James Harden. In fact, I think he's an excellent play Now I would only probably play one of these guys unless you're doing a mini game stack and you're running it back on the other side But we will get to that other side in just a moment uh, and the reason why I probably won't be doing any real mini game stacks and having multiple shares of those guys. So uh, I have been avoiding Tyrese Maxey, despite those two great performances in the first two games. And I will continue to avoid Tyrese Maxey at 6,800. Uh, it worked out well for me in that last one. I expected to do the same just because he's been shooting at an unreal percentage throughout the series. Outside of the last game where we saw it, it come back down to earth around 44% is where he should be shooting. Two prior games, he was shooting 73 and 67%. I don't expect him to keep that up on a nightly basis, and I don't expect him to have a near triple-double, especially when there's a guy named James Harden on the team who is known for having triple-doubles or near triple-doubles. So that's kind of the way I'm attacking this one. It's basically just going to be Embiid. It's just going to be Harden. We have four games. so We have an extra game compared to some of these other playoff slates that we can attack and get some you know, combinations of, and that's, that's the way I'm going to approach it. On the Toronto side of the ball, I haven't been playing Pascal Siakam. I'll continue to not play Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Vliet, on the other hand, coming in at 7,900 is somebody I have no qualms with playing. Uh, now there is a guard a little bit cheaper and a guard that a little bit more expensive that I do have a little bit more interest in. Uh, but we know Van Vliet is usually pretty comfortable and safe with those assist totals. He's going to be a high usage player for this team uh, with the shot attempts. It's just whether or not the shots fall. Over the past two games, he shot 23% and 30%, so below average. But the three-pointers are coming in bunches. Took 10 in that last game, 16 in the game prior, uh, and I mean, throughout the course of the season, he's been a guy that's been pretty damn near close hitting double digits in three point attempts. So we know that when the shot is falling, he's going to pay off that value. It's just, this is a tough matchup. Bottom line. Uh, there's no other way to say it and they need to win this game. Otherwise they're going home. So expect Freddie to play as many minutes as he can handle, especially if it's a close game. It is a winner go home game for them. So I'm expecting 40 minutes from Fred Fleet, and that's going to put him in as an option for us to target. OG coming off of a fantastic game. We have saw him kind of really step up since Scotty Barnes went down with that injury. Uh, The double-digit shot attempts over the past three games have been there for him. It's just the ancillary stats haven't. That's my only fear with uh, OG is that even if he gets you 20 actual points, is he going to get you enough to pay off this $6,700 price tag? And I'm a little worried about it because we look at the past two games, and he did it in the last one. He had the four five rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block, which is fantastic. That's what we want to see. But the game prior, even when he hit 26 actual points, which is probably a little over his head on 71% shooting, uh, no real ancillary stats involved there. And we got 30, 34 DK points. We really need that 35 DK point mark on a in a playoff series for him to pay off that total. But again, he gets a little bit of a boost knowing that this is a winner-go-home game, and he's gonna have to play as many minutes as possible. So Now the value, it's coming from the center position. Precious, Boucher, both these guys are absolutely in play. They play two different positions, so it's going to come down to construction for you. I talked about how there's not a lot of center options, and that's kind of why I'm leaning towards Joel Embiid. Precious has been playing significant minutes over the past three games. 29 in the first two, 36 in that last one. Uh, 36 coming at the cost of Boucher getting limited minutes. And only in that last one has he really blown up put up 30 DK points on 20 actual points. He did so on nine of 11 shooting. So it's simply because of the minutes that puts Precious in play, but I still think I'm leaning a little bit more towards Boucher at 4,100. He only played 17 minutes in that last one after playing 30 minutes in the game prior. And it's really going to come down to the score of this game and whether or not Achua can stay out of foul trouble. Now they're going to, they're going to probably, like I said, split those minutes up. We'll probably see Boucher a little bit at the power forward position as well as backing up Siakam. We'll see him backing up Precious. I think Boucher is the better tournament play. I think Precious, if you're trying to be safe and you just need the value, but I don't think he's by any means a must-play value play. Uh, Ken Birch, we also saw get a little bit of run, but I, I always talk about it. Don't be fooled by Ken Burch. Um, unless he's starting at center and there's two other centers out, I don't trust him. I just don't think that there's going to be the usage there for him. I don't think he has the upside. I think that he's kind of one of those fool's gold value plays. And in fact, if I had to play anybody, uh, it would probably end up being Thad Young over him, but I don't even feel comfortable with that. So for the most part, quick recap, Fred Van Vliet, great play, OG, solid play. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., if you're feeling frisky, don't bind it, but it's mostly going to be Fred Van Vliet and looking at that center position split up between Chris Boucher and Precious, which I think at the end of the day I'm going to end up rolling with a little bit more Boucher. Next game, Dallas Mavericks traveling to Utah, taking on the Jazz. For the Mavs, Luka Doncic is questionable. We're hearing rumblings that he could make his return in this one. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been ruled out. Frank Nidakalina is questionable as well. The jazz are good to go this game's coming in at a 2 12 and a half game total with the jazz being favored by five and a half points this is the lowest game total on the slate but that does not mean there's no value we'll start off here with the maps with luca it's 10 5 i'm not playing him uh, i prefer to play and beat over him i just don't know what kind of luca we get even if he does play he's going to go through the practice on friday and he's going to be a game time decision it says at the re- most recent update so looks like he went through practice now i i assume he's gonna play i I'm, I'm i mean i'm hearing reports that everybody's optimistic he's gonna play but now what kind of capacity do we get do we get full-on luca he's good to go that i doubt uh i talked about at the beginning of the playoffs that a calf injury like this would normally keep a player out 10 to 14 games luca's missed three so let that be for what it's worth i think we're probably seeing a 60 percent or 50 percent Luca, who's still going to be extremely effective don't get me wrong but all that's going to do is take away the usage and playmaking abilities from guys that we have been targeting, like Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson. So I'll probably shy away from the Mavs as a whole on this slate. I just kind of want to see how where the chips fall. Now, if Luka gets rolled out, yeah, absolutely. Puts Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie right back into play, in which case you're probably going to like the Jalen Brunson a little bit more if only $500. We've seen nothing but consistency. 239 and a half point games coming from him in the, in the first and third, and then a monster. 65 and a half dk point game from him in the second game so absolutely good with uh if we happen to see that luca is ruled out that's probably it though again i mean if you want to sit here and mess around the front court with the likes of davis bertans who had a hot shooting night the other night where he knocked down four three-pointers uh or if you want to go with max kleber who a little up and down i don't like that price tag at 48 i'd rather play brandon clark for only 200 dollars more who we will get to later on on the jazz side of the ball A lot more to like over here than I think on the Dallas side. Now, Donovan Mitchell coming in at 8,700. He's in play. I touched on it on the last show I did when they were playing. If he's not 9K, I'm going to have interest in him. He's coming off of a game where he had his lowest shot attempts in the series, and his lowest shot attempts of the series is still 21. Uh, Only shot one of eight from deep. We could expect that to be a little bit better. Continues to get to the free throw line. Where so far throughout this series, uh, my man's knocked down about 26 of 28 free throws. So he's doing it all all bunches. Assist totals continue to be a uh, moderate five to six assists. Rebounds, those are always going to be up and down, but it's a scoring punch that we're looking for from Mitchell. He's having no problem getting the shots off, and he's yet to knock them down at an extremely efficient rate, except for that last one where he only took 21 and he shot 48%. Uh, if he's clicking, 40 to 60 DK points is surely an option. I'm, th- I'm leaning more towards right there in the middle. I'm looking at 50 DK points for him at 8,700, and that's a good enough value for me to have some shares of. The ancillary options, not playing Gobert, I already touched on that, but Bogdanovich makes for a great pivot if you can't get Mitchell, just because somebody's got to score the ball on this one. He's their second go-to guy. He's continued to score at least 24 actual points in all three games of the series, where he's given us a nice concrete floor, but he does have that 35 to 40 DK point upside. And like I said, if, if you're not playing Mitchell, you're going to want to have one of Bogdanovich, Clarkson, wouldn't even mind Conley, just because we know that Conley's going to have to continue to play pretty big minutes throughout the series. Uh, outside of that second game where he shot 0 of 7, he's been pretty consistent. But he's probably on the outside looking in. If I had to rank these guys, it's going to be Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Clarkson. Uh, those are pretty much the only three guys that I have any real interest in. If Never mind the Royce O'Neal dart throw, but it is exactly that. It's nothing but a dart throw. Third game of the night, Boston Celtics traveling to Brooklyn. And this is the one, uh, well two of these games are the ones that everybody wants to see because they've been extremely competitive and the nets need to win bottom line we'll just start there this game's coming in at a 222 and a half game total with the nets being favored by three and a half points now that they're back in brooklyn we have robert williams questionable i alluded to that earlier it seems like they're they're optimistic he is going to play but it will likely be in limited fashion limited minutes uh, and then for the Nets, Blake Griffin is questionable. Joe Harris and Ben Simmons both rolled out. We saw the report that Ben Simmons is most likely going to make a re I can't even say a return, a debut, uh, to the season in game four. So keep your eye on that as well. We'll start off here with Boston, who has been playing just excellent defense. I mean, to hold the greatest scorer of our generation, <laughs> to not knocking down a shot in the second half is, is pretty incredible. Jason Tatum coming in at 93, no quorums there. Uh, Absolutely. You can play him if you want. I think I'll have some shares. I'm not overweight. I'm underweight. I'll probably be right there at the field with him. Uh, And then Jalen Brown at 82, where, again, depends on your lineup construction. But if you're looking to play one of those ancillary jazz options like Bogdanovich or Clarkson and you don't have the money to necessarily get to Mitchell or uh, like I said, I don't want to play Bogdanovich and Mitchell in the same lineup. And that's where Jalen Brown would come into play for me. If I'm playing Bogdanovich, I'd probably pair him with Jalen Brown to get exposure to both these games, potentially get the highest score in both these games. Uh, I think that's a, a nice little, you know, ancillary option you can do if you're kind of building multiple lineups. But Jalen's been consistent. At least 40 DK points in the first two. I think he's slightly underpriced. Uh, the shot attempts, they're not great, but, I mean, they're still high enough where we have that 50 DK point upside. And the ancillary stats are always there with him. Uh, high steal totals from him throughout the course of the season, but in the last two games he's averaging seven steals. They're going to need him, bottom line, especially if Tatum's off. This team is very, very fluid and deep. But I still think that they're going to need their heavy hitters for the majority of the game. So if you're not playing Tatum, I think that puts Jalen Brown, even Marcus Smart, firmly into play. I think I like Jalen Brown a little bit more just because there's another guard that we'll get to who's, you know, close enough in the range of Marcus Smart where it's going to kind of take him out of play for me. I've been playing a boatload of Al Horford with Robert Williams returning. That kind of has me shying away. Now, I don't think it's going to impact his minutes. I still think he's going to play a full workload and everything like that. But it's just going to impact the type of minutes that he is seeing. He'll probably play a little bit more power forward. Robert, Robert Williams, I'm assuming, will probably play about 22 minutes only at the center position. And with that being said, that's going to take 22 minutes of center position play away from Al Horford. Um, and it's also going to take Daniel Tice out of play for us. So Horford, still okay play. Just not the, the smash play that I've been you know, looking forward to playing every single game with Williams out. On the uh, I'm sorry, on the net side of things. Kevin Durant coming in at 10-2 makes for a great pivot off of Embiid. That's the way I look at it. I still prefer Embiid just because I have plenty of small forward and power forward options that I've spoke about and will speak about. Um, And then bottom line, there's not a lot of center options. I'm not going to be looking to play two guys over 10K. It's just that simple for me. But I don't, I mean, I can't imagine that. And granted, give credit to where credit is due. The Celtics defense has been amazing all season long, and this series is no different. But there's no way somebody can contain Kevin Durant for three games. I mean, it may be fool's gold looking at it like that, but we've seen what this guy can do on a regular basis. And yes, the defense is great, but Kevin Durant is one of those shooters that you just can't stop from scoring. He's seven feet tall. He can get his shot from anywhere on the floor. He's elite in every aspect of this game. So I think he makes for a great pivot for those box score watchers who are seeing how how poorly he's done over the past two games. It's still Kevin Durant. Don't forget about that. So I do prefer him over Kyrie Irving. If you want to look at Kyrie, wouldn't fault you there one bet either. But this is a must win game on their home court down 2-0. They need this one. So expect these two guys to come out firing, clicking on all cylinders and doing whatever they can to make sure they secure a win. And if that means basically burying everybody else on the depth chart from taking the shot, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Bruce Brown at 6,300, coming off of a monster game, still too expensive for me. Uh, I'm not chasing that game. I get it. He's had at least 40 DK points in four out of his last five games, dating back to the regular season. Uh, I'm still just not chasing. I think it's going to be much of like I just said. It's Bruce Brown. You know, sit in the corner. If you're open, sure, we'll let you get a couple shot attempts. Uh, but I'm, I'm not expecting the you know him to come out and score 46 actual DK points with 23 actual points. It just doesn't seem like it's in the cards for me. If anything, we'll probably see Seth Curry. Uh, get a little bit of added shots, and they're going to need his shooting as well. So Seth Curry at 4,300 makes for a fantastic value play. Just like I said, we're going to expect to get at least five to seven to, uh, three-point attempts from him, maybe eight to ten actual shots. Not much for the ancillary stat department, but he's only 4,300. If he's taken seven three-pointers, he can knock down, let's say, three or four of them. Uh, he's going to comfortably pay off that price tag. So I'm good with Seth Curry at forty-three. And then I've been playing a little bit of Dragic over the first two games. He just continues to be a cog that comes off the bench and does well for this team. Double-digit shot attempts in the first two games, double-digit scoring in the first two games. He's paid off this salary pretty comfortably, doing so on two of eight three-point shooting, which he's not always been known as being a fantastic three-point shooter, but he's definitely league average and serviceable. So I, I, I would expect that to kind of right the ship pretty soon and him knock down at maybe two of those. And if we can get two three-pointers out of him, we're looking at another game where 20-plus DK points at 4,100 in a playoff series that we need some value. Sign me up. I'm good with Curry. I'm good with Dragic. And if you want to play either Durant or Irving as a pivot, I wouldn't fault you. It's just going to come down to your construction. Maybe if you're playing Precious at center and you don't need an Embiid at center, or maybe you're even going to go to somebody in the later game at center, then you can definitely get one of those two top spend-ups in this game. Final game of the night, Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Minnesota, taking on the Timberwolves. This game is coming with the highest game total of the night, 232.5. Grizzlies are favored by 2.5 points. we got to keep an eye on a little bit of news here, simply on the Grizzly side of the ball, with Dylan Brooks being questionable with left foot soreness. I imagine that he suits up, but keep your eye on it because uh, that would have a slight impact on the rotation and maybe a little bit of value options that we could look at. Starting off here with Memphis, John Moran coming in at 97 Consistency. If you're talking about consistency, there's been nobody better than John in this playoffs so far. 50 DK points in three straight games. He's doing so with plenty of assists, getting boards at the guard position. And he hasn't even had one of his big blowout scoring games outside of that first game where he scored 32. I mean, the dude's averaging 27 points on the season. Tipperwell's defense doesn't scare me off one bit. And then the last two games, 16 and 23 points on bad shooting in the last one, good shooting in the second game. I'm expecting nothing more than 50 DK points from him again. I mean, he's just doing it all. They need, this team needs him. Let him do his thing. 9,700, if you have the money, sure, why not? But we'll get through some guard options where that also have 50 point upside who are just cheaper. And that's probably the only reason I won't have Morant. It's just because I like Donovan Mitchell. I like D'Angelo Russell on the other side of the ball. If Lucas sits, I like Jalen Brunson. I talked about Fred VanVleet. So it's just coming down to construction and necessity that's going to limit me from having Morant, but that's also pushing me more towards a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. at 6K, which is just simply too cheap. Uh, We're looking at his game logs, and there's a story behind every single one of these games. You heard me say that at the beginning of the podcast, and he's one of my favorite plays on the slate simply because of those stories. Now, the first two games were blowouts, 117 to 130, 124 to 96. Minutes were limited. Only played 27 to 24 minutes in those games. Look at that last game, five fouls pretty quickly, limited him drastically, only played 21 minutes in that one, and they won. If this game stays close and Jaron Jackson can stay out of foul trouble, a monster game is on the horizon. Now, even if he plays 28 minutes, I think we're pretty comfortably looking at 30 DK points, but it's the upside that we're chasing right here. And that's what I told you guys i like to do in my, and that's my construction. Now, listen, if you're not feeling frisky and risky and you don't want to take that chance, You know, you probably don't want to go out of your way and play multiple guys like Jaron Jackson or D'Angelo Russell or Chris Boucher. You might just want to take the safer route and maybe get one, two of those guys. And I'm okay with that. But this is the, as the season's winding down on a four game slate where rotations really aren't changing. I mean, we've seen what these rotations look like. They get tighter. It's almost like a, a guess on who's going to be the highest scorers of the night and stuff like that in certain aspects. I take my risks based on things I believed from the start of the series, which was Jaron Jackson's going to be a great play if he plays 30 minutes. Uh, And then I look at the tail of the take and just see that, why hasn't he played 30-plus minutes? Now, that's the way I'm approaching the slate. Do with it what you may. Um, We still have other good options that we could. He's not by any means a must-play. But if he does play play, uh, 30-plus minutes, I feel pretty confident in saying that he would have been a must-play, where he is going to be an optimal play to win this slate so if you're building multiple items make sure you get shares of them if you're building one a single entry maybe it's cash i can see why you're avoiding them and i don't fault you one bit for that brandon clark continues to be a valuable asset throughout this series played 29 minutes in that last game put up another great game with 32 dk points he's now scored at least 24 dk points in all three series games uh and 30 and two of those and it's because steven adams has been drastically limited basically because of the versatility of carl anthony towns with karl Anthony Towns being one of the best three point shooting big men, Steven Adams is basically being uh, underutilized. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, you know, can't play him. How about that? Uh, he just can't chase him out there that well. And there goes a fire alarm, so we're going to try to knock this out before you guys have to hear that continuously beeping. Brandon Clark continues to be a play. I'm probably not playing him with Jaron Jackson Jr. He's also been getting aided with some center minutes based on Jaron Jackson getting in foul trouble. But one of those guys will be in every single one of my lineups, and then we have to keep an eye on what's going on at that small forward position because as Dylan Brooks sits, it's going to be a little bump for Zaire Williams, a little bump for De'Anthony Melton, and a little bump for Kyle Anderson. I don't think any one of those guys kind of separates himself from the bunch. And they're not playing De'Anthony Melton big minutes simply because – they don't need him in this series. They're going to go with the tighter rotation. Same thing with Zaire Williams so far. He's basically been playing very limited minutes so far. But if he draws a start at 3,300, he would come in at a value play for me. On the Minnesota side of things, you heard me say it. D'Angelo Russell, 7,100, one of my favorite plays on the slate. We finally got that big game. We were looking for him in that last game where he took 21 shot attempts. Now, he hasn't been able to knock down a shot pretty much all season, or series long. Shot 18% in the first one, 27% in the second one. Finally, all the way up to 43%, which is what... We're pretty much looking for him. It's about his average on the season Uh, on 21 shot attempts. I'm expecting that to be more of like what we're what we can expect to see. He's played well, despite those first two poor performances against the Grizzlies in seven games a series, including the playoffs. He's averaging 41 DK points. I'm expecting about 35 to anywhere between 50. He's very, very wonky. He has a high floor or I mean a high ceiling, a relatively low floor based on the two games we've seen in the first one. But they need him. Carl Anthony Towns has just been getting blanketed throughout this entire series. They're making other people knock down the shots. They're forcing everybody that uh, they can after him. Uh, he's also found himself in foul trouble over the last two games. So I'm probably going to avoid Towns just because we talked about other guys. Like I prefer Mitchell over him. I prefer some of you know Tatum over him. Barant, a lot of guys that prefer him over him in a similar price range, but. He is extremely cheap at 8900 If you want to look that way, I wouldn't fault you one bit. It's just not the way I'm going to be going with the construction. I'm mostly going to be gravitating towards D'Angelo Russell, getting my exposure that way. If you want to look at Anthony Edwards, again, wouldn't fault you. I prefer Russell over Anthony Edwards. Chasing that Vanderbilt game could, uh, could, be, could be worthwhile. But again, keep in mind, Cat got into foul trouble. He's been struggling mightily in the first two games of the series, played only nine and 19 minutes. They've pretty much been splitting those up between him, McDaniels, uh, even going with a little and Prince. So I don't think it's worth chasing necessarily, but I'm not going to rule him out of my player pool just yet because he's only 3,700. And I do like that price tag. Let's wrap this up with our player tier segment. Joel Embiid coming in at the top spot, 10, six, touched on it. Not a whole lot of center options. I'm gravely interested in. We know that he's an MVP candidate. We know what he can do. His floor, his ceiling is exactly what we want to see. Second one would be Donovan Mitchell at $8,700. i will continue to play this guy until he's over 9 k uh, Bottom line, the usage that he has in playoffs is otherworldly. He's going to continue to take big shot attempts. There's not much more that needs to be said. There's a lot of guys that we could have went with in that spot. I mean, James Harden's only $400 more, so I wouldn't have fought you if you wanted to go that way. But it's going to come down to construction. If I'm playing Joel Embiid, I'm probably going to pair him with Donovan Mitchell. If I'm playing, let's say, James Harden, I might spend up on durant and then pair that with like a guy like bogdanovich or clarkson or somebody else who can get the scoring in the in the jazz game it's going to come all down to construction because these guys have to correlate if your plays aren't correlating you're really shooting yourself in the foot mid-tier talked about a few guys here jaron jackson jr coming in 6k you you already heard why i just said i love him Uh, i know his upside and then the guy to pair him with is gonna be in that same game i think d'angelo russell at 7100 Again, we know his upside. We know what he can do on a night-to-night basis. They're going to need these big scoring outputs from him. Somebody needs to take off the pressure from Carl Anthony Towns because Carl Anthony Towns has single-digit shot attempts over the last two games and even throughout the course of the season when Carl Anthony Towns is doing his thing and is effective. A lot of the time, that's coming off the dimes of D'Angelo Russell. So he has that higher floor compared to some of these other guards around that price range, but also presents the immense ceiling that we've seen from him throughout the course of the season. Value plays. Many ways we can go here. Uh, I'm going to lump Precious Achua and Chris Boucher up together. Obviously, Achua a little safer. Uh, Boucher a little riskier. Depending on how you want to build a constructor lineup. Um, Clark no longer a value play option at 5K. We've already touched on him, though. But I'm going to go with uh, the other pairing of Seth Curry and Goran Dragic. Wanna play these two guys alongside of each other. Curry's the safer option. Dragic will probably be lower owned. Uh, Curry's floor a little higher. Ceiling A little higher. Um, but it just comes down to if you think Curry's going to have a bad game, then you're going to want to lean towards Dragic, because that means Cur- you know, Curry's down game would be like 19, 20 DK points. Dragic's high game would be about 25 to 30. So, again, go about the correlation factors correctly, and you will find yourself probably being profitable on this slate. And that is it. That brings us home. That wraps up everything through the show. It was a longer one, the longer solo show, 27 minutes. But thank you guys for listening. Now you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A, and give us a thumbs up, five-star rate, review. Now, if you're wondering why I have not given out some, fa- uh, I'm sorry, some Thrive Fantasy picks, is because I don't want to steer you wrong. Uh, a lot going on, if you haven't heard, I'm moving to Atlanta relatively soon, so a lot comes in to play when I gotta find a place uh, in less than 20 days, uh, and a lot of things, mother-in-law's visiting in town, so I've been focusing or researching mostly just in DFS. And I, if I don't have the time to focus on the player props, uh, I don't want to give props I don't feel comfortable with. I've always tried to steer you guys in the right direction and only say who I'm actually playing. Uh, and I haven't been playing Fancy, or I'm sorry, Thrive Fancy, uh, over the past about three, four days. So I don't want to give those picks. That simple. Hope you respect that. Um, but maybe with some of the things I said tonight, it'll kind of steer you in the right direction of who I might play if I did a little bit more research. So... We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be Harris handling the Sunday slate for you. Then we'll be jumping on Sunday night and breaking down that Monday slate for you. As always, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for choosing us to be your source of information. It means the world to me. Love doing what I do, and I'm looking forward to taking down some money with you all tonight. So let's take care. Let's go win some tournaments.